Welcome, 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 everyone. It is Thursday, noon Eastern time, and you know what that means. It is time for Talent Experience Live, your weekly look at the hot topics in HR interviews with leaders in the industry, as well as hot new HR tech, covering everything that you need to know from recruitment to talent acquisition and talent management, anything else in between, honestly. Uh, Let's First, start where everyone is joining us from. Uh, If you are coming from the Eastern Seaboard, feel free to chime in in the comment section and let us know, let your voice heard. And also, feel free to share this with your network. Um, I wouldn't say it's required, but definitely strongly recommended uh, to help grow the show. And we have a fantastic episode that I am sure you are going to want to share with your network anyway. So it's really, it's just a click of a mouse. Feel free to go ahead and do that now. If you are able to catch the full episode because dogs are barking or you have some meeting that you have to attend to or really you're hungry and want to make lunch, you can always check out the full episode on our blog post at phenom.com backslash blogs or uh, YouTube, which is also a very easy way to see it. You can log in there and check all of our, I think, 32 previous episodes at this point, covering fantastic topics from great speakers, as well as some product demos as well. It looks like from the comment section, some people are tuning in where they're from. I see Connie from New York. Welcome. Uh, and Shane from PA. Welcome as well. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, today's topic is job empowerment and growth, ways to support women at work. Being that this is International Women's Month, it is a very important topic, and I don't think it's something that should be limited just to the month of March. So definitely take some of these tips and practices with you uh, throughout the rest of the year and years to come. Um, But I wanted to start things off with a stat that we found here. Uh, Women accounted for every one of the 140 jobs lost in December, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is an alarming number. And making a difference for women in creating gender equality at work will require action to help get those jobs back. Leaders must rewire important areas of the workplace, including cultural values, empowerment, and career growth opportunities. Hopefully, you can learn a thing or two to help make that number significantly lower uh, by the time the next round of statistics comes out from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. But before we jump into that topic, as always, Make your voice heard. I see Monica chimes in and saying TXL is her favorite daytime show. Thank you. I won't tell your boss uh, that you are not working at the moment. And Tom says, epic shirt colors. Thanks, Tom. But the show isn't about me. It's about HR professionals and learning tips and tricks. Uh, And as always, tradition around these parts, I love to start with a good icebreaker question for the audience. So today uh, is one that I thought was really, really important for the topic at hand and also an opportunity for you to recognize someone who may be inspirational to your life. So that question is, who is the most inspirational woman in your life? You don't have to provide reasoning, anything like that. But also, as you think about that, reach out to that person um, and say, hey, thank you. I uh, really appreciate what you're doing. And it's, it's a great little Thursday tidbit. My most inspirational woman in my life is 
my grandmother. I call her Grammy. Uh, she was a kindergarten teacher for over 30 plus years. And honestly, one of my favorite people to ask advice from. Uh, so I will be giving her a call later this afternoon and practicing what I preach. Uh, I know I mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it again. Now that you're here, be sure to like and follow Phenom. We do this every single Thursday. Uh, we're also producing tons and tons more co content, stuff from AI and the Evolved Recruiter Conference we did back in the fall. Uh, I am HR, which was back in December. It feels like years ago at this point, but all of that content is super relevant because it was only two months ago, uh, three, if you are including the month of March. And we did set up the TXL at phenompeople.com email. If you are interested in joining the show or something pops into your mind that is thought provoking, you can always reach out to us there. But Back to the topic at hand, celebrating International Women's Month. We have two very special guests today, so please join me in welcoming Becky Fieldman, uh, Assistant Vice President and Senior Employee Experience Designer at Commerce Bank, and Trish Doc Holliday, uh, co-founder of a private consulting firm, also an educational uh, advisor, as well as public speaker and strategist. Without any further hesitation, let's bring them on. Hello, how are you? Great. Hello, Devin. Thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> it's, it's awesome to have you both on. Um, it is tradition around these parts that when we bring guests on, we start off with two things. Uh, the first is how you got into HR because nobody grows up saying, I want to be an HR professional. I think everyone's journey is unique and I love hearing those stories. And then the second is you have to answer the icebreaker question of who is the most inspirational woman in your life. We'll start with you, Trish, and then we'll jump over to Becky if that works. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. This is amazing. Oh my goodness. I can't wait for our conversation. I got into HR through the learning and leadership pathway. So uh, not through compensation and benefits and those other pieces of HR, but it, while I was in full-time ministry, one of the things I realized was how hungry people in the ministry are for leadership development. And so really found my pathway there and moved into the public sector, into government. And then from there, it positioned me to open my own HR consulting firm. So it's just been an amazing journey of 23 plus years. And um, that's how I got here today. So, um, and then when I think about who... Um, is the most admired woman in my life. I would have to say my mother. Uh, she is a strong, very caring businesswoman. She owned her own business. And that's where I really saw the power of entrepreneurship. She taught me that work ethic is so critical in my, in my career path. If I really want to differentiate myself and, and then I watched her navigate the tragic death of my father uh, from a very graceful place and also really using her faith as her foundation. So she's just a true inspiration to me. Awesome. And uh, Becky, your, your yeah. story as well as your uh, inspiration. Yeah. So I think similar to Trish, we have a, a, a similar background. I actually started in psych. 
Um, I was a psych therapist at one of our hospitals. I used to work for SSM Health for 16 years. And as I worked in this, uh, the behavioral health department, I noticed um, kind of organizational dysfunction around me. And I am a fixer. I wanted to fix it and, and see why aren't these employees happy? Why can't we retain team members? So I went into organizational development. Um, and so from there, I've held a variety of different roles in HR, um, but got into the technology space, um, did a lot with user experience, which has led me to where I am today in employee experience. Um, in terms of who um, has made the most kind of impact or on my life, um, it has to be my mom also. Um, my mom was not a businesswoman. My mom didn't go to college. Uh, my mom just worked several jobs raising myself and my three siblings. My father passed away from cancer when I was 15. Um, so I learned very early on, obviously, from both of my parents, uh, a strong, strong work ethic. Um, but from my mom, especially, um, to lean on your faith um, and to um, to give, um, to always, always give. My mom is a saint and a servant, and that's really how I live my life, too. That's awesome. I love the, the positive energy for moms today. This is fantastic. Moms um, are awesome. I, I call my mom as well as my grandmother later today. Um, but I, I mentioned at the top of the show um, some of the job losses uh, in December 2020 mm -hmm. recognized by the U.S. labor statistics mm -hmm. um, and how they outweighed those of men. And I think a lot of that has to do with mothers, quite frankly, um, and how they were asked and in some cases forced to step away from their roles yeah. and, and take over that responsibility of caring for, for children at home. Um, but to what extent does this stem from organizational values and them not providing an outlet for them? Um, and are companies necessarily living up to their promise? We'll start with you, Trish. And Becky, I know that you have to, to chime in as well, so we'll hand it over to you after. Yeah. Well, I think when we talk about organizational values, we really have to make sure those values are inclusive and in tune with all the members of the workforce. And that includes women and men and making sure that we don't keep some traditional or fixed approach to how we run our business. So when things like the pandemic pop, we can be much more resilient and much more agile in how we respond to the needs of our workforce versus having, for instance, women having to leave their jobs because of such a, a severe situation um, from the pandemic or, or whatever may be happening, then they're forced to be at home. Let's think creatively about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you uh, mentioned that perfectly. I'm not going to say it as cute as you did when the pandemic popped. Um, but I think this problem existed before the pandemic. And if we would have been um, more strategic in the way that we offer opportunities to women, this wouldn't be a problem right now. So, I think there are really a few things here, and it, and it all stems from, um, you know, way before the pandemic. It stems from the majors that, that women choose, um, the majors that they choose in college. Um, so I'm going to share a couple of statistics and really kind of talk through this. But um, in, that, in that article, that CNN article that I would suggest that everyone go out and take a look at, um, some of the hardest hit sectors um, impacted by the pandemic or education, which we know has been female dominated for years, um, along with hospitality, retail and restaurants. And so I think the question that you need to ask yourself is why? Why are those so female dominated? 
Um, is it because um, those are professions that women are choosing um, for a reason to support their, their lifestyle and, and their parenting? Um, but I think the other important stat is to note that the, the pandemic has not impacted all women the same. Um, Black and Latina women are overrepresented in some of the hardest hit sectors, and their unemployment is highest among all women. So again, another opportunity to really look at the fact that um, this isn't the same for everyone um, and that this problem existed prior to the pandemic. Um, and as you might imagine, these sectors don't necessarily offer uh, these women the opportunity to work from home like Trisha and I are today. Um, so these women had to make a decision, um, especially when schools and daycares closed. Right. Um, my sister is a teacher. Uh, she teaches special education. Um, and many of her female aides had to make that decision. And that um, just is it, that upsets me that someone had to make that decision to choose between their 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 career and a job that they love and that they're very, very good at and um, parenting their their children. Um, and this is where I think we really need to focus on that trade off that women have had to make in this situation and that women have been having to make four years, you know, again, prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so- and I, yeah, go ahead. Well, Becky, I was going to say, I mean, you just, you and you just hit a, a, a trigger for me uh, is, you know, prior to the pandemic, all this is going on. And then all of a sudden when the pandemic happens, it exasperates it. Yeah. And now there's all this attention to it. Yes. So we have got to be much more attentive to your yeah. point. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, my work and employee experience has just started to get more attention. Um, And I say, you know, that's one of the bright lights, I think, of the pandemic, that people are starting to care about it because they have to. Um, And I hope that that trend continues and that it's not just a heartwarming thing that people are thinking about right now, that it's actually employee experience is going to be a strategy moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that as a strategy, because I know a strategy that has been talked about recently and is continuing to gain a lot of momentum within the talent acquisition space is, is really gender fluent talent mm-hmm. acquisition approaches. And we've had conversations offline about this, how some uses of words in job descriptions like aggressive or you know, whatever the case may be, um, tailors to one type of candidate and may um, almost intimidate another candidate. Um, what are some uh, approaches that town acquisition leaders can take to make this language more gender fluent? Uh, is there a specific technology out there? Um, what, what kind of exists or is it something mentally that they have to do? Uh, I'll ask you, Becky. Yeah, yeah, it it definitely needs to be intentional. The way that you write job descriptions, the way that you present information on your career site, the way that you tell and share stories. Um, So, you know, we've been talking for years about gender bias and how it really shows up to our candidates. Um, And the words that we use really do have the power to attract and turn off. Um, You know, so making sure that we are using... um, uh, checking our pronouns, um, and you can even just just Google ways to remove gender bias from your job descriptions, and you're going to find a tool that's called Textio. Um, and what I think is really important about Textio is um, what they say on their website: you're building a culture of belonging, and every word counts. 
So think about your words very carefully and make sure that you're not turning off people because that's your opportunity to shine and really to increase your candidate pool to um, diverse candidates um, to make sure that you're not using words that are going to turn them away. And some of those words you mentioned, Devin, aggressive, you know, is one of them. But, you know, what um, gender neutral uh, synonyms are out there that could replace some of these words that are restricting your candidate pool? And I think it's important to go beyond the job description. Um, that's not the only thing that could be um, limiting your candidates from a gender perspective. Um, it also could be the requirements. Um, so there's a stat um, from a from an HBR article that's um, that's that's a little bit older, but it shows that women are less likely to apply for a job if they don't meet a hundred percent of the requirements. But men will apply if they meet 60% of the requirements. So really start to look at, are those really requirements? Or are they just nice to haves? And make sure that you are not um, unnecessarily restricting your candidate pool by putting some of those requirements on there that are, again, really nice to haves. I think, too, Devin, that um, when we think about this, and to to add to Becky's insights is to say, you know what are we are we helping women uh, get the right mindset mm-hmm. to apply for jobs? Are we helping? Are we teaching? Are we developing women so that they have more confidence and and have a personal brand? And I think mm-hmm. those things also contribute to helping women step out and say, "Hey, I can do this!" Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that word choice is so important if you want a culture of inclusion. Yeah. yeah. And, sh- and, and being able to show women that they can succeed there through stories and right. how you write your job descriptions. That's super important. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And it's, it's so much more than, than, a, than just a job description and, and, and what you are showcasing as far as an organization. One quote that has, has stood out to me a, a bunch um, throughout preparation for this uh, episode has been one that comes from uh, the Wall Street Journal. And it's, we are not all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm, but some of us are on super yachts and some of us just have one oar. And I think that that can not only be broken down financially, but also um, based upon gender uh, and, and what sort of situations we are in there. Um, so this means that HR needs to take into account which boat every individual is in. What strategies and how-tos can each of you share uh, to make sure that an employee is not only heard, but also supported? And we'll start with you, Trish. So employees that are already within the workforce, Devin, is that what you're thinking about? Okay. Uh, Yes. Well, I think it's very, first of all, I think HR has to be, in order to be a trusted advisor within an organization, they have to be listeners. Mm -hmm. And... And, and the individual matters, I, you know, I'm a firm believer you cannot lead by group management. And so we have to know our people and mm-hmm. our people have to feel like when they come to HR, they're being heard, uh, what they say, even if in HR it's, um, it's outside of what we typically think, mm-hmm. how can we reposition ourselves to be the people who people want, who employees want to go to versus, for instance, the department of no. How do we become an inviting department where employees feel like, hey, I really am struggling with this. Can I talk about this? And and they feel like they're being heard and listened to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I read an article the other day, Trish, and, um, you know, the one simple answer of how do you inspire and engage your team members? <laughs> and it's by creating an authentic emotional connection with them. Um, and we think, well, gosh, that's easy. But that's not so easy for some people to really step into that space, especially because all these years we've been told from a business approach, don't bring your feelings to work. Right. Um, guess what? We really do need to learn and listen to our team members and what their individual needs are. And just like we started off this conversation, there is not a one size fits all approach. Um, everyone has different needs. Um, so we need to create that safe space for our team members to ask for the, what they want and need. And we have to be ready to answer those hard questions on can we support what their needs are? Um, well, and I think, Becky, you bring up a great point because when HR uh, presents themselves as so limiting and uh, this is this is what it's about. Here's the policy. Here's compliance. And we put up such narrow guardrails. Employees don't feel like that's a warm place to be. So we have to model really what we want. Um, we have to show that they have to see that through our actions because, you know, words Gosh, I mean, words are words, but if they aren't accompanied with those actions, it seems hollow. Yep. yep. And there are so many different segments of your organization that you may be unaware of. Um, the pandemic has really helped us identify what some of those forgotten populations are. And yeah. one of the forgotten populations um, that has come out of the pandemic um, is single um, individuals. So single living alone. Um, and, you know, how are we supporting those team members? So, again, that one size fits all approach, you know, it's not going to work for working parents, for single parents, for, um, you know, folks who are taking care of their aging parents. Um, and so it's really about building out that listening strategy, making sure that all of your populations are represented so that you can hear what their experiences are, because I, I can almost guarantee you that the experience that all of these segments are having are not the same. Um, and it's really trying to figure out how to close that gap um, and, uh, you know, make sure that you can attract and retain all of those individuals within your organization. And one one approach I'm working with an organization right now and in the process of trying to figure out how to be a an inclusive culture, <laughs> we got to make sure that our focus groups, when we bring people together, they represent the department and they're not just focus groups that look like us and think like us, but that mm -hmm. we actually bring the naysayers to the table, the mm -hmm. resistors to the table. And that's a, you know, that's a hard phone call to make or a, you know, okay, I'm going to invite them and, you know, knowing they're resistors. Like, so, so, but we have to be willing to hear what mm -hmm. we're doing isn't working for me and, and mm -hmm. listen to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to chime in real quick. I see that Jonathan Dale uh, chimes in in the chat. Mm -hmm. says, safe spaces should be the standard and normal everyday working environment. And I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, the next comment that I see is from uh, Jen Thomas, uh, and it's about the employee experience. She says, definitely employee experience can't take a back seat anymore, which brings me to my next question uh, for you, Becky. And mm -hmm. it sounds like uh, perhaps organizations need to think differently um, when it talks about women in the workplace, mm -hmm. uh, taking an entrepreneurship POV as opposed to creating action-based solutions. Mm -hmm. Now, that's easier said than done. So how can companies and how should companies 
reimagine, repurpose, and redesign not only strategies, but possibly even values to keep women mm-hmm. at work making necessary adaptations to their specific needs. Yeah, so I think it's really just being open to change and trying to figure out or trying to really understand what's preventing uh, women from being successful at your organization, whether it's even attracting them or retaining them. Um, What's stopping it? Is it an old school approach? Um, Are you not um, listening to their needs and just keep doing what you're doing because um, it's always worked for you before? Um, So I know Trish has a lot of comments around this space and really how do we set our women up for success in the work environment um, to show women that you can succeed there and that it is a woman-friendly organization. Yeah, and I think you hit it, Becky. It's got to start with the top leadership. Mm -hmm. And we got to talk about the type of culture that we want. And do we invite Mm -hmm. continuous improvement thinking? Mm -hmm. Because if we do, then this intrapreneurship. So think of it in terms of internal entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Think of it that you are saying to your workforce, hey, if a process isn't as efficient as you think it should be, or if... If a procedure feels cumbersome, uh, let's, I invite you to think about that. I invite you to, to reimagine uh, that particular process or procedure. And now all of a sudden the innovation is coming from bottom up and people feel empowered. And so this is where I think women would are really thrive in environments like this because Um, When you invite women to say, you know, I've been in this role, here's the industry, and then you're inviting them to help you think differently about how a particular business process could be done, Mm -hmm. it really frees people from being caught in that fixed mindset, meaning Mm -hmm. we're trapped in our traditions or what are the sacred cows of the company? Mm -hmm. And, And are we able to address those kind of things in a way that is more inviting and includes more people versus those traditions sometimes keep people out. And sometimes within a company, you have haves and have nots. Mm -hmm. And so, and a lot of times the women in various roles, if it's a particular male dominated industry, but there's a few peppering of women in that particular industry in that company, they still feel out as an outlier. So how do we get them brought in? How do we, Mm -hmm. and I think we have to teach women. I think Mm -hmm. we we need women leadership programs that focus on uh, helping women learn how to navigate political savviness within their organization, uh, learn how to navigate the informal channels within Mm -hmm. uh, how things work within the company. So I just think that we have to be really intentional. Yep, absolutely. And I think, you know, those those norms that you talked about, um, some of those are pretty hard, hard and fast kind of set in organizations. And so you may be at a point where you need to build a business case, sadly, for uh, making this a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty easy to do um, if you just look at research that's out there, that diversity of thought in your organization is not just the right thing to do, but it's also really, really good for business. Um, So, you know, that that might be where you are. Um, A lot of organizations are at different stages of 
of their journey, I think, yeah. in the um, diversity maturity model. What, what I'm seeing a lot, I do a lot of executive coaching with women leaders and um, what I what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling and the coaching experience with them is sometimes women don't know how to navigate to that next place. They don't know how to position themselves and having a thinking partner, uh, you know, reach out to a mentor, reach out to an executive coach and put a strategy or a plan together. It really does make a difference. Your squad. Right. Yeah. I, I love that because my next you almost answered my next question to a T, which was um, oftentimes some of these set standards and set procedures are advancing within a, 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 an organization. Right. You've spent five years in this role. Now you're promoted to director, senior director, so on and so forth. Um, and organizations aren't necessarily responsible for that, but they do t- play a, a very big part in helping upskill as well as develop their employees to get there. And it sounds like they need uh, there needs to be organizational structures around that to help people achieve those goals and not make them just kind of check boxes things. Um, but Becky, my my question that I have for you is I know we spoke offline um, around the mom project, which I think pertains to the same thought process and ideology around upskilling and, and continuing mm-hmm. to grow as uh, professionals. But it's specifically for working moms who may not be in the 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 professional environment on a regular basis. Um, Women as caregivers have a tremendous amount of less flexibility than people who have worked in the office or have to meet schedules. So what is happening with this mom project and how can we, as people who may not be affected, assist in that? Yeah. So um, I love good branding. Um, And so if you go out to their website, you, I think, will enjoy a lot of what they're saying. But their tagline is we connect talented women with world class employers that respect work and life integration. And so I think what's really cool about this organization is that they only work with family friendly employers who get it. Um, So as a job seeker, you don't have to try to figure out, is this organization going to support me? Am I going to have to leave after a year because I'm going to find out that um, I can't leave at five o'clock to go get my kids from school or go to their, uh, you know, their practice? Um, And so they have a job marketplace that gives moms the opportunity to search for and be matched with work opportunities that that really match their preferences. So whether it's by hours days of the week, maybe they want, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about window work. Um, You know, what does this look like? And they also work with companies to help them identify their gaps. So they're helping to create these spaces where women can have that flexibility. Um, So the way that this company was founded, um, it was actually by a woman named Allison Robinson, and she is a mom of two. Um, She was on maternity leave with her first kid, and she read a stat that really saddened her. Um, an estimated 43% of highly skilled women leave uh, the workforce after becoming mothers. Um, And she wanted to really build a future where women didn't have to make that choice between parenting and their careers. Um, And again, that whole premise of women engaged in the workforce, you know, and on their teams is not just good for families, but it's, it's good for all of us. It's good for business. Um, And how can we make that happen? 
Trish, this sounds like something that is is very relevant to, I, I know something you're super passionate about, which is on-purpose learning, right? And I think the, the mom project sounds like something where individuals can not only work with their schedule, but also gain skills that they may want to improve upon. Um, but when it comes to someone who may not be in the, the mom project boat, as I mentioned, we're all in different mm-hmm. boats. Yeah. Um, what development opportunities, especially uh, for those individuals who may be known as the forgotten population, where do they need to focus on that on-purpose learning? I am passionate about on-purpose learning. And it, it really, for me, uh, when we talk about on-purpose learning, we're talking about creating development experiences that are essential to the company's business strategy. So now learning is tied to business. It's not just viewed as random or it's not viewed as fluff. It automatically, if it's on purpose, it means that the top executives say, you know what? We need our workforce to master this skill. We need our workforce to demonstrate this competency on a daily, consistent basis in order for our business to succeed. And so now you're tying learning to actually the mm-hmm. importance of how business is going to thrive or fail. And so I think it's really important to note When executives support a learning culture, it's a game changer because now you're able to upskill your employees. You keep them relevant with what's happening. But I have to say this, Devin, and I have to put it out there. I am a firm believer that everybody has to take charge of their Mm -hmm. own career path and their own learning and development um, process. Uh, Or I do believe organizations share in the partnership and that should be um, creating development opportunities. But I have heard so many times employees tell me, I didn't get picked for this program. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to go to this program. So I guess, you know, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. that's not the right attitude and and not the right approach because what you want is to say, I can learn on my own. I can read. I can be a part of book clubs. I can be a part of mentoring experiences. I can make sure that I myself am contributing at work, value add information that all of a sudden people are like, we need Trisha's perspective in this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So I think people have to take charge of their own learning in this process. Yep, yep absolutely. And I, uh, I was going to pull a book to show you guys, but I think it's propping up my computer right now. <laughs> um, but there was a, a book called The Memo uh, written by Minda Hartz. And um, we just listened to her the other day and she said, stay ready so that you don't have to get ready. Um, yep. and that I think really speaks to what Trish was saying. Um, and I wanted to share a little bit about what commerce does in this space too, um, because we focus on that own your own development. Um, but we really put a lot of emphasis on our team members really getting to know themselves. So we provide a lot of opportunities for them to create their own guide to individual development um, and then to plan their path. Um, and we always focus on what types of experiences are you looking for? We're not always asking, what job do you want next? We want to know what type of work do you want to do? What types of experiences are you looking for? So that's something that one of my coworkers has has coined. And I love that because we're not just talking about moving to the next job. We're talking about building skills. Um, And we really want to be intentional, um, putting ourselves in places to 
to gain those skills. Yeah. Well, and I think too, we have to speak up. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and when, as women, sometimes we don't, and we don't speak up in time. And mm-hmm. I think we have to um, develop ourselves. We have to seek out opportunities. I was just a part of the Nashville Business Journal's Mentoring Monday experience. I was one of 30 mentors. We had over 300 mentees during that experience. And it was it was incredible because now what it demonstrated to me is women coming together to say, yeah. how can we champion each other? How can we learn from each other? And that's the power to me uh, and the impact of mm-hmm. it all is when women can collectively help each other think about how to navigate those difficult situations, how to handle those relationships that are um, really you know, getting you and and causing you tension. Um, If we can support each other, and this is so different from when I was in school. Women, when I grew up, girls, we we could catfight now. And girls girls knew how to fight. And we were not necessarily each other's rah-rah cheerleaders. And we have got to change that. Like Mm -hmm. in the workplace, we have got to be each other's fans, right? Absolutely. And that has not always been my experience, Trish, sadly. Um, In some environments that I came from, there was a a, a meme that my friend and I would always use that beware of the people who aren't clapping when you win. Um, It's it's unfortunate, but there are women in some environments who don't want to see you succeed. And and, Mm -hmm. and sadly, I think it's because of the way that they have been treated. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's breaking that cycle. Uh, we can all win. We can all support each other and share share these ideas. Well, and, and Becky, you were talking earlier about you know when you're going out and you're thinking, what do I? What skills do I need to develop? How do I need to get myself positioned for the mm-hmm. next opportunity? One of the things that came to mind is first, make sure you're passionate about what you're studying, passionate about your interests, that you're gonna develop yourself in an arena where your passion. Uh, can show and can shine because mm-hmm. here's what we know. If you are in a role that leverages your strengths, that's where mm-hmm. you're going to be uh, accentuated. That's where you're going to shine. That's where people are going to notice. Wow. They're going to see your strengths at work. Mm-hmm. If you're in a role that doesn't play to your strengths, typically that's not sustainable. And so we mm-hmm. have to think about what we really want, what we're passionate about, where we're great at. You know, I love, I love taking Jim Collins, good to great business principles and Mm -hmm. personalizing it and saying, okay, what's my hedgehog? What can I be the best at in the world? Because that's where I want to put my investment. Yeah. There's another, and I'm a big quote person too, um, Trish. So one of my favorite ones, I think it's a a reverend, um, Howard Thurman, and it's don't ask what the world needs um, ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do it. And yeah. I used to think that that was really selfish. Like, no, I'm, I'm going to see a need in the world and then I'm going to go do that. But if you really think about it and break that quote apart, you are at your best when you're doing something that you love and the world is going to benefit yeah. from that. Yeah. And the other part of that too, and this is my ministry component coming out, but you know, let's not assume we know what people need. 
Let's listen for those express needs because that's when our service, that's when our servant leadership uh, really can create that genuineness in the workforce because now all of a sudden we've listened and there has been express needs and now we come in with here's some some options, here's some alternatives, here's some opportunities to explore and we're not being the judge and jury and we're not assuming mm-hmm. we know what everybody needs. Yep. Another thing too with that, Trish, and um, Devin, I don't know how we're doing on time here. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, this is great. <laughs> I wanted to add here too, that's, you know, when you're thinking about from a leadership perspective and some, you know, are you afraid to ask someone what they want and need because you don't know if you can fulfill it? That's okay. Yeah. Because another question you can ask um, and this, I think, comes from some of Brene Brown's work and a, and a friend of mine, Justine Fulker. She'll say another response that you can have is, what does support look like from me? What do you, you know, what, how can I best support you? You can, that's basically saying, I don't know how to help you, but tell me how I can help you. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. And and, and a couple of things came to mind as you were sharing that. One um, we've got to teach teach women, uh, teach women leaders how to cultivate relationships. Mm-hmm. I am I, my big mantra is leadership is all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And how do we create networks of support? How do we create um, relationships that are healthy and productive in the workplace? And that's that's without a gender associated to it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, how can we be completely focused on those relationship centric components that when people are connected, they thrive. Mm -hmm. And that's a basic premise that I think we've really got to unpack. There's a great book called all in and it talks about how do we empower people? How do we engage people differently? Those are great Mm -hmm. questions to ask Mm -hmm. and cultivate those relationships. Devin, we don't even need you in this. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say bye, Devin. No, I out in the chat. Bye, Becky, I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> Diana had a uh, comment here, and this is going to take us back a little bit, but that's absolutely okay. Um, the site for the Mom Project, um, just go to the momproject.org, I think it is. But one of the other things I wanted to mention about the Mom Project, too, is they have worked with some organizations on re-entry programs, which I think is so super cool. So reaching out to these talent pools, like, you know, in some areas, we really have a shortage of applicants. So, you know, what, where are those spaces in the industries that you're in? And can you build a re-entry program? And what does that look like um, to help women um, start to upskill in things that maybe they were um, in communications 15 years ago? And gosh, the world has changed in communications nowadays. But how do you upskill those moms um, who left the workforce and now want to come back um, so that they can jump right in instead of having them be met with, gosh, you've been out of this space for 15 years. What have you been doing? Well, I was raising my kids. And that is a perfectly acceptable response. But how do we help them reenter? When and how do we help them? And Becky, how do we help them talk about that in mm-hmm. terms of that experience in raising my kids taught me this, gave me this skill set? How do we mar- help them marry 
what they who they are and what they've been doing to the current desired skill set of the the roles they're seeking right and and so not to diminish women mm-hmm. because they did that but help them leverage that to say what skills have you acquired i can multitask i am organized i <laughs> i am a fantastic planner like let's let's help women transition into a a, a more okay, I want to move to a different phase in my life. How do I use that past experience to my benefit, mm-hmm. not my detriment? Yep. And Jennifer, thank you. I just saw you put the, the URL in there. Thank you. This is, has been spectacular and so much fun. And I know you both just rattled off a number of great resources and to-do lists and things like that. But if you were to keep yeah. it to, to three things that you want anyone who may have tuned in earlier or is just tuning in now, to use as a resource or a to-do for them to really attack in this upcoming month, year, and into the future, um, what would it be? We'll start with you, Trish. I think, one, uh, stay really current with what are the top leadership um, resources around getting rid of gender bias, uh, really Mm -hmm. focusing on learning how to use word choice that everybody can associate with. Mm -hmm. And then I think um, really studying how to create this culture of belonging. I think that's a Mm -hmm. say easy, do hard. Yep. Yeah, I would agree, Trish. Um, You know, I think the, the simple action and takeaway here is just to start the journey of identifying your gaps. Um, you know, really understanding how do you show up in the marketplace? You know, are your job descriptions, again, you know, gender biased? Are you telling stories of women who are successful in your organization? Um, but I want what you say to be true, though. And that's one of the reasons why I jumped over from the TA side to employee experience side, because I want the team members experience or what they're seeing on the career side to match reality. Because the last thing that you want to happen is to say, we support women and then have a um, high turnover rate of women because it was a bait and switch. Like, I want it to be true. So before you go out and tell stories on your career site and before you go out to your job description and make sure that they're um, gender fluent, I want you to take a hard look at your culture again, as Trish said, and make sure that you are ready um, to invite the diversity of thought into your organization, um, because if you're not ready, all of these efforts that you're going to make to draw women in are, are, are not going to be worth it because they're going to leave um, right. and you won't be able to retain that talent. Mm-hmm. And you'll get that reputation really quickly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. This has been hands down my favorite episode that I've done. No offense to anyone who's been on previously, um, but I want to you know, do some of this research and, and, and really read some of these, these books and, and content that you had all mentioned. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy days. I know that um, this is no easy task to do, but thank you again. And hopefully... Hopefully, fingers crossed, when things return to normal, we can get you in our fancy studio yes. our office and do something in person. But in the meantime, I hope both of you stay safe. I wish you nothing but the best, and uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Thank you. All right. Thanks, Devin. Thank Bye, Trish. Bye, Becky. Bye. <laughs>
Awesome. Well, there you have it. That was everything I think that you need to know about women in the workplace and a little bit more on how to get started and how to really create an inclusive environment for diversity of thought, specifically pertaining to women and, and really everyone as a whole. Uh, before you go, uh, as you can see, today was a fantastic episode, but that doesn't mean our other episodes fall anywhere short or anything like that. So please like and subscribe. Uh, we do an episode every single Thursday with a guest. So definitely tune in. And if you missed any bits and pieces of this, it'll be available on the Phenom blog, which is phenom.com backslash blog, as well as YouTube, which some of you may already be there, or you can always find it on LinkedIn as well. Thank you everyone for chiming in. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Tom. This is an awesome episode and it's always better when people are chatting back and forth as we saw with Trish and Becky. That was great. And I can't wait to see everyone next week. I hope everyone stays safe and healthy. And remember, uh, reach out to those women who inspired you and tell them thank you. Uh, we'll see you next week.